Well, this morning, God transforms. I've been thinking about that for over three decades. I've been thinking about it a lot for the last few weeks, knowing that today would come. And, you know, when I think about my life, of how God's transformed me, it's, it's humbling. When I think about how God's transformed your life, I'm grateful. When I think about how God's changed people's lives just in the recent weeks, and that's the goal of the gospel. So this morning, God transforms. You know, I was thinking about uh, what do we do for change? Where, where do you go for change? Uh, I think if you went up and down the rows this morning and said, are you struggling in any area of your life? You go, oh, yeah, I'm honest. And you'd go, well, what are you doing about it? And you, somebody would say, well, I just keep doing the same old thing. I keep getting the same results. It's called uh, stupidity. And, uh, and uh, so this morning I'm praying that maybe we'll get some new thought patterns. Maybe God will do something different. The other thing is, where do people turn for change? I hear this a lot. I turn to my three best friends or my one best friend. And it's good to have friends, not to live alone, but that's not probably the best source. Uh, here's the one. Uh, people would go, well, I just get on the Internet and I Google or I just research and I, I get all my help off the Internet. Man, I'm so grateful for the Internet and what it allows us. At the same time, it can be a little scary. Some would go, well, I just read self-help magazines and I'll see them at the grocery store and they're like, buy me, buy me. Or I read them while I'm standing in the line and I get all kind of, yeah, okay, just think about that for a minute. Okay. Some might say, well, I turned to a counselor and I love Christian counseling and I, and I think they're needed. I'm grateful. I'm thankful. Matter of fact, the other day I was thinking about a friend that I'm still talking to the Lord about, John Mark. Anybody remember John Mark? An amazing, gifted, biblical counselor. I just think about God used to want to turn to him. Some of you turn to him, you know, and other counselors in the community. And some of us say, well, no, man, I turned to Oprah. I was so sad when she quit her show. Mm. Or some of you say, well, today I'm turning to Dr. Phil. You know, I know Dr. Phil's got all the answers. Really? I was watching him one day, and he's pretty smart. God's using him, but I'm like... Now, I'm not going to turn to Dr. Phil. I want you to turn to God. If you want to get transformed, I want you to turn to the Word, okay? I mean, that's going to be a transformation beyond the things of this world. So, you know, so where do Christians turn? I mean, we're bombarded, aren't we, with all the options and billboards and magazines and social media and this and this and this and books and magazines and articles and it's, and I love to read, and I hope you're, I, I say this a lot, people go, ah, oh, he's going to say it again. A leader is a reader. Let's say it together. A leader is a reader. So I encourage you, if you want to lead anything, you want to lead your family, read. You want to lead in the church of Jesus Christ, read. You want to lead in the marketplace in your school, read. Be a student. But I want to hold one book above every book. I, I've got thousands of books. I mean, literally thousands. They're, they're my tool of trade. I know I could come to your house and you go, you ought to see my tool shed. And oh, 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 man, look at that salt. Wow. Look at those drills. Oh, man, look at the, the yard accessories. Oh, my goodness. What did you spend? $10,000. I mean, you know, and, and men, I mean, how many of you men like to go to Home Depot? You don't? It's just fun to walk in there and smell like a man, look like a man. And walk up and down the aisles and greet people. And is Jerry Lee here today? Of all weeks, I gave him an endorsement. He works in here at uh, Home Depot. I always see him. But, you know, I want to tell you, my tool of trade is books. So we have books all over my study, here at the church, at home, in my car, in the trunk. I just like books. Now, I am excited about this new device that I got a few years ago. I still, I, I can just tell you I'm old school, okay? 
I'm 55, okay? I'm 55. I still like books. I like the way they feel, like the way they smell. I like to highlight with them. But I won't tell you how many hundreds of books I've got right here on this. And this has been so much better for my neck. You know what I'm saying? And let me tell you about a device I just found out about. Write this down. This is free. Spirit-filled Kindle. They have free books every day. You're not writing. If you like books like I do, now they're not all free. A lot of them are just reduced, but some of them are like really grateful. And, and they help you in your spiritual journey with Jesus. But so, so what do you do? I mean, you won't change. And, and I've talked about probably secular ways. And then I think about, and, and then I, I thought about this situation. Has anybody lately been in a bad situation? <laughs> You're like, are you breathing? Okay. And did God put you in a bad situation to hurt you? Or did God put you in a bad situation to change you? The second. I resist fighting sometimes. I, I don't like for my flesh to get squeezed, but that's how God conforms me and you to the image of Christ. So when you go through a demanding situation, it could be that God's using the circumstances, that bad situation, to make you more like his son Jesus. Have you thought about that lately? That's God's goal. God's got one big goal, to conform, to squeeze, to make us like his son, that we might give God glory. I, I just told you what the Bible's all about. Let's close in prayer and go home. That, that, I mean, if you want to boil it down as simple as it is, it's to conform to the image of Christ and give God glory. So the Bible speaks about transformation. I want you to write down 2 Corinthians 3.18. The Apostle Paul says these words, But we all with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting like a mirror of the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord and His Spirit. Romans 12, 2. And do not be fashioned according to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that it may be proved the, what the will of God is, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. So just these two scriptures, God uses that great word, transformed. You remember those little toys that used to go flying around your house called transformers? You know when your little boys were being sweet to each other? Yeah, whatever. And, and those little articles of plastic went flying? Well, you know, God wants to transform us. And there's a lot of stuff he's going to do to bring that about in our life. What's the definition of transformation? It's probably a great place for me to start. I probably got to add to myself. It's a complete or major change in someone or something's appearance or form. It's a complete, radical, major change. Okay, I've noticed women that come in our church, they have long hair this week, and next week they have a bob. They come in today, their hair was black. Next week it's red. In a month from now, it's blonde. Has anybody ever noticed that besides me? And so women, y'all are able to transform so much greater than us men. Would you agree, men? And what do you do when you're married? You go, oh, baby, looks great, looks good. She'll get through it. Okay, we're going to go to the next thing. But transformation, we, we transform all the time physically, our, our appearance. But, but God wants to transform us spiritually from the inside out. It's the goal of the gospel of grace. So Christians, what does it mean? It, it means metamorphosis. It means to morph from something. 
uh, I, I love in, 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 the, in, the, in the nature world when you, when you look at the caterpillar. And I remember as a little kid, I'd go out and I used to love to play with caterpillars. Anybody else like to do that besides me? There was something about little fuzzy brown crawly things that tells you a lot about I'm still in therapy for that okay and 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 you'd go there and you'd pick them up and you just play with them man and and then and then when it finally morphed you know or whatever into a butterfly yeah this is this is interesting well God but there's a profound change in that world of metamorphosis and it's in the physical sense so how much more in the spiritual sense does God want to transform us does God want to change us from the inside out to become something beautiful? Uh, they say in nature that what the caterpillar eats, what he consumes, the nutrients that uh, it, it gets assimilated into the caterpillar, and then it begins to make this beautiful transformation process. I'm just like, well, God, so what do you want to do? You, you, you want to make us beautiful. I think if we're honest today, we'd go, well, I'm beautiful. Well, you're beautiful. Right? They're not so beautiful. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I'm so glad I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I want to be, but I'm on a journey, and so are you if you're in faith in Jesus Christ this morning. Christ is changing you. He's transforming you. The Bible says that he regenerates you, that you are born of the Spirit. You're born again, Nicodemus, John chapter 3, and, and begin something new from the heart. I mean, um, here we go. I'll just be really transparent. I don't think I've ever said this, but I'll just go ahead. Especially as a kid, I have a huge scar right here. You know, I'm not going to ask you, how many have noticed Pastor Keith's scar? Now, now that I've done this, that's probably all you're ever going to see on me again. This scar happened when my mom and grandfather got killed, and I was the only survivor. I got severely cut, 138 stitches in my left leg, almost was severed. This one was broken in three pieces. Glass, I still have scars in my hands, and I have this beautiful scar here. In elementary school, how many of you know elementary kids are really, really polite and they're always thoughtful before they say anything? Anybody know that? Okay. When I went back to school, the first day after the wreck, the little girls cried all day long. Now, I wasn't expected to live and I was out for over a month and I went back to school and that does wonders for your self-esteem. When I came in that day after school, they go, Keith, how did school to go today? I went, I'm not going back. The girls cried all day. Because they didn't know how to handle grief. I, I was the first person at Dow Ray that ever remembered having a major death. But then, as things got a little warmer, about a month or two into it, then people would go, Dude, have you seen the scar on your face? Nah, man. I just get up and look at it every morning. And then, I decided to do something. We got a little older, and I was in class one day, and they're going, Dude, have you seen Keith's scar on his face? I said, you ought to have seen the bear that I took down. It was, and I lied like fifth grade boys can. And people left me alone. But something happened when I turned 19. I got transformed from the inside in my heart in Jesus. Jesus Christ became a living God, a God to follow. And guess what? He began to change my behavior and my attitudes and my desires and started conforming me to his image. And guess what? My scar didn't go away. <laughs> it's still there. And I, and I figure that I'm probably going to have it when I die. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. The skin's probably going to shift a little bit. That's a whole other story for another day. But anyway. But the inside, God wants to change you and me. He wants to transform us. He, it's a daily, just write down, transformation is a daily decision 
to determine to walk in the steps of Jesus. It's not a one-time deal. It's not a, a, a sprint to the altar of God, as cool as that can be to come to Jesus in radical faith. It's a marathon. It's a run. It's to be transformed. It's to move from where you were. It's a change of character, habits, lifestyle that I want to adhere. I want to, to tether to living in Christ, being united with Jesus, to being like him, to reflecting his character and not mine, to lighting my lamp, to letting my light shine that people might glorify my God which is in heaven and give him glory and give him praise, not because of you, not because of me, but because of Jesus. I want you to just turn over to Luke chapter 19. I've told you if you've been around me for any sense of time, this was mine and Rachel's favorite Bible story when she was a little girl. Daddy, can we read about Zacchaeus again? We read about Zacchaeus. So every time I see Luke 19, it's a precious place in my life and my journey because I remember journeying with my little girl and her spiritual development. And you've read about the tax collector and what a wicked, wretched guy he was. But I would just write in your Bible besides Zacchaeus, transformed, off the chart, change, scoundrel, meet Savior forever. <laughs> Changed. You hashtag whatever you want to hashtag after it, okay? But he's just, it's just incredible. He, Jesus sees this little guy and he goes, Zach, I want to go to your house. I want to be a guest. And then they ridiculed Jesus. I'm not going to read it for you for a second time, but if you read Luke 19, 1 through 10, following those verses, you see the story. But man, they were on him. Jesus hangs out with sinners. Guys, I'm glad Jesus loves sinners. Oh, you're a pious crowd today, are you? Are you glad Jesus loves sinners? I'm glad, man. I'm glad he hangs out with sinners like me and you. You're like, well, I'm not a sinner. I'm washed in the blood, regenerated, born again. Praise God. But you might have a little Pharisee in you this morning too. Jesus just loves sinful people. You see, I don't think our church really gets this. Because this is, needs to be a safe place for sinners. It needs to be a place that people can come in. I mean, I should speak to thousands of people out here because there's so many unsaved people in Montgomery. Do y'all believe that? I do. But I don't think they find a safe place. Part of that's my fault. Part of that's your fault. So I've just been asking God, God, how can you create a culture at Christ Community where everybody feels welcome to come, as they are, to see Jesus? Now, we're not going to install trees this week so everybody can get up in the trees and look. Oh, look at that sinner that just pulled in on the drive. Oh, my goodness. I already have people that walk up to me sometimes and go, do you know who's at church today? I'm like, yeah. They're like, they are. I'm like, that is awesome. Now, that doesn't happen a lot anymore because people are excited about whoever comes. The church should always be that valuable, wonderful, loving place. Jesus makes the most of the opportunity here with Zacchaeus, and he changes him. He, he transforms him. Uh, you know, Jesus is hanging around this guy. Zacchaeus had a reputation of ripping people off. <laughs> I mean, how many of you have tax collectors as your friends, okay? We used to have a guy here. He's in heaven today. He was an RS agent. I told a story one time, and he didn't find it humorous. But, but for most of us, we don't have RS friends and agents, and they're probably not our best friends. And they can love Jesus. That's, that's not the point. The point is, this guy, 
you know, in, in that day, what they did is they would uh, they didn't really get a salary. What they did is they just added uh, money to the tax, whatever, and they raked off uh, whatever they felt like was good for their pocket and they put it in. And that's why they were so hated because they were just ripping people off. But the story just basically says Zacchaeus was so transformed. He says, Jesus, I give it all. I'll give it all back. I'll give it back so many times greater than I've ripped off other people. Surely, Zach, surely, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to your house. So here's the principle today. When salvation, biblical salvation comes to your heart and it begins to transform, people will know. Because there's an outward expression of an inward happening. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Here, here's the part I forgot to tell you. You get saved, the residue of sin still hangs around. Sin still tempts. You're still enticed by your sinful desires. But when you feed your spirit with the word of God, you're being transformed and you can overcome the residue of sin. Amen? So this morning, if you're going, but, but Keith, I keep struggling with this sin. I understand. I struggle with sins too. And I'm victorious as we sing about today in Jesus. And I'm grateful for the blood. It's, it's just I could preach on this for hours and I won't. You're like, well, thank you, Jesus, that he won't. So I, I just want you to see here just some questions that are right here in your notes. Where do people in our culture turn for help? How is Zacchaeus transformed? How can you be a witness to Jesus transforming power in your life? See, that's the, really the question today. How can you and I walk out of here as a result of worshiping on a Sunday morning gathering, but it make a tangible difference in our home, in our community today and in the morning and on Friday of next week. That's, that's really the goal of the gospel. Jesus changes, transform us. That's a biblical word. He just wants to... I like what Rick Warren says. He was asked one time, what's the best translation of the Bible? I get asked that all the time. PK, what do you read out of? NAS, NIV, NLT, ESV. I mean, I, I got to thinking, if you're a non-Christian and you're hearing that, you're going, are they doing code? I mean, you got to know, I mean, we got all these words we drop, and then you look at somebody like they're dumb because, like, you don't know what an ESV is. You don't, how about a CV, baby? You got one of those? I mean, I got so many translations back there, I can't even keep up. My head just explodes when I think translations of the Bible. And here's what Rick Warren said. I want you to write this down. I love this. He says, the best translation of the Bible is when you translate the Bible into your life. When the Bible gets off the pages of the translation you're reading and it gets in your heart. And then out of your heart, it begins to release power and, and, and God changes. So God gives us the Bible to what? To inform us? Partly. God gives you the Bible to transform you. God gave me his word not to give me more knowledge than the other person. He gave me the Bible to transform my habits and my character and my desires and to let me know what God loves and what's important to God and that it will run contrary to the desires and standards of this world. He who loves the world doesn't have the love of the Father in him. Read 1 John sometime. Don't get mad at me. Talk to God about it. So genuine transformation is an inward change that takes place in our being as we take in spiritual food and drink. This morning, we just need to have a spiritual drink. It's called Jesus. It's called the living water of the Holy Spirit. God, fill us today. Changes. 
I'm so proud of so many of you. So many of you are on, are on this journey. Christ is doing magnificent things in students and children and adults. Amen. Others have not really pursued Christ very well or at all. Today could be a day of transformation. I don't know, maybe you turn your chair around today. If you wonder what that is, maybe I'll talk about it at the end of the service or you can go look at the Easter video. But the person's different than they were before. But let's look at this. Four steps that guarantee transformation. Four steps. We're talking about four things at Christ's humanity. I'm talking about four steps today, okay? Here they are. Number one, consecration. Consecration just means to be set apart, to dedicate, to devote oneself to the service of God. So, Lord, I dedicate, I surrender, I offer my voice, I offer my gifts, I offer my hands, I offer my body. Romans 12, 1. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. I, I, I love how, how he puts this passage. Matter of fact, listen, listen to the NLT. <laughs> See, there I go. I'm doing these letters again. I'm just trying to do it because you're somebody like, his Bible don't read like mine. Does he make up words? No, I'm just in a different translation. Okay. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. And the church said, Amen. And let, it didn't say that, I just added that. Okay. Let, I'm sorry, I just got off a conference, I'm excited. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Uh, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, come on, I bet it's in uh, every translation. But let God transform you into the, a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And one translation says, is, is the acceptable will of God. So we get transformed by the word. That's why I hold the word up. That's why I read the word daily. That's why I teach the word. The word has the power. How many of you believe the word of God has the power? That's what has the power. You're like, it's not your visuals that you do. It's not your illustrations. No, it's the word of God. The Word of God is eternal. So consecration, we just read that. It's the result of understanding God through Jesus shows amazing mercy. And do you know what's still stunning me to this day? The mercy of Christ. I, I'm going to believe that we're going to be stunned by the grace of Jesus for all eternity. We're just going to marvel in how great our God is that we offer, we make a full and total surrender to Him. We live a transformed life we make a, a, a choice of a full dedication, consecration to the Lord. You know, it's, it, it's, you know, it's a biblical word. A lot of times people say consecration. Like, I don't know what a consecration is. But you consecrate a building. You consecrate a marriage. You consecrate one's life. You submit. You devote it fully to God. Lord, take it. It's, consecration is the foundation to a transformed life. Write that down on the side. Consecration is the foundation that you build on for a transformed life. You have to devote yourself. You have to offer yourself to Jesus. That's what God's calling me to. It's a starting point. Second thing is, you recognize your true identity then is in Christ. Once you've offered your life to Christ, then Christ, Jesus, is your life. You're not your life. You still have your personality. You still have all those things. But Christ transforms your life, and he lives through that personality. And, and the word in Christ is used at least 130 times in the Scripture. And you see it over, or in other words, in the Lord, in us, God's just telling us, your position needs to be in Christ. He, he's really the identity that God wants. And then John 15 says, now, if Christ is your identity, abide in him and him in you. 
And if we abide, dwell in Jesus, then we bear fruit. We don't, no, we don't bear some. We bear much fruit. See, God's called you now to bear fruit for Christ, to be a living witness, transformed witness of the gospel. But, but the sin, let me go back to sin. Sin's still remaining. But sin doesn't have to reign. It, it's still there. It, it's still left over. It's still hanging around. It still tempts. It still appeals. It's, you, if sin wasn't enticing, would we sin? No. Okay, here, here, here's the sin. Everybody in this room struggles with this. P-R-I-D. Oh, y'all struggle with it too? Pride. How many of us struggle with pride? If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. You're struggling with that. I didn't want to raise my hand. I don't want anybody to know I was a sinner. We struggle with it. And, and, and once you get saved, you still have to deal with pride. Sometimes as you grow in Christ and Christ allows you to do more things, then you struggle with pride. The whole thing that we live in a day today of mega pastors, I, sometimes I've talked to them and they go, this, this struggling, man, I have a harder time with pride today than I did 20 years ago because of all this success. And then you think, well, I, I know you could do that. You could, like, quit or like, you could ask God to reduce it or you could just offer it to him and let Christ crush you. And crucify you. So here it is. So recognize your true identities in Christ. Allowing our, if we allow ourselves to be disconnected from Christ, then we're in trouble. There's not a lot of transformation going on. Uh, I just don't want you to be surprised that you still have a capacity to sin after you come to Jesus. I just hope you have a desire to not like sin, to not want to embrace sin, to, not, to want to repent of sin, to want to change, let Christ come and... Uh, not lower you, not allow you to run back into a degenerate level of living that you probably lived in debauchery and sin and all those lists of sins, that you go, now I want Christ. I want Christ more than I want my sin. A lot of times people are like, well, I want sin more than I want a Savior. The third thing is this, conform to the image of Christ. I I've talked about this this morning. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, we talk about transformation. It means conformed. It means to, uh, to be shaped, to be molded, to be squeezed, to be separate from the world and attached to Christ. Uh, man, that's my heart's desire. It's my heart's desire for you, is that you'll struggle in this world, but Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than your sin. You, you, you run to him. Uh, you understand now, I don't belong to the kingdom of this world anymore. I've been bought with a price. I'm a citizen of heaven. Jesus gives me marching orders. He's Lord. He's master. He's leader. I follow him. Sometimes I blow it. Sometimes I follow my flesh. I have an advocate with the Father. The Bible says it's Jesus. And we go to him and we get it right. And we go, Lord, thank you for grace. Um, what is approved by God is not approved by the world. Has <laughs> anybody noticed that? When you follow Christ, sometimes people make fun of you. Sometimes people ridicule you. I remember my early days of my journey with Jesus, people had a term for me. It's two words. I didn't like it, but it was my term, or their term. Jesus freak. I'm a product of the 70s, okay? Let me just go. All right. So Jesus freak. I was like, man, you love Jesus. You're a Jesus freak. Like, cool with me. You're a dope freak or you're a whatever freak, you know? Yeah. But I, I didn't say that because that would have been so edifying to the Father. I just thought it. Okay. So I just sinned by saying it. Okay. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Okay. But I was. I wanted to be peculiar. I wanted to follow him. I'd already lived in another world. Now I wanted to follow Christ. Christ was transforming, but I realized the power of Christ has the power to draw people to the Savior. Amen? Your witness, when you submit, when you surrender, when the Spirit takes control, people are like, 
You're different. In this room, I've heard a lot of your stories. A lot of you have had life change. I want you to write down something I wish we could really get good at. I would love for us to traffic in life change stories around here in the rest of 2014. I wish that would be the norm, that we just traffic in life change. That Christ is changing us, but he's changing our friends, and he's changing the lost community, and we're witnessing radical conversions. How many want to sign up for that kind of church? You know how that happens? You and I get outside of our chair. We get outside the walls of this church, and we decide to be bold for Jesus. I'm just believing. I, people always rag on California. It, it really is offensive to me because I have a lot of pastor friends in California. I, I love California. I think if Don and I were not here, we would be in California. That's how much I love it. But you know what they did the other day? You know what Francis Chan did at my friend's church? I don't think it would happen in Montgomery. I thought it was pretty cool. He went out to the local mall, and he preached to tens of thousands of people on Easter Sunday. Pretty cool, huh? We live in the Bible Belt. They have orders against us. I would have to hire LeBaron and Ben and every other lawyer to try to get me out of jail because we would be offended by that. I mean, just think about that for a minute. The cross is offensive. Just go ahead. If you're going to follow Christ, it's going to be offensive. And the church said, that's okay. Some of you are like, no, I'm not going to be very offensive. Okay. Probably why we're not transforming. Look at the fourth one. i got to get there. Man, I could preach for hours. Renewal of the mind. God renews the mind when we're transformed. And I've got so much to say about that. I just think about how it requires a diligent search and study of Scripture, and it calls for meditation and reflection and abiding in and reading and learning together, changing our mindset. The path of transformation is basically that our thought. How many of you think that our thoughts govern our actions and our emotions? Anybody believe that? I do. Our thoughts govern everything else. So, if I'm filling and you're filling your mind with the world, with the world systems, what's going to come out? Worldliness. If you and I would submit to surrendering our minds to the Word of God to be renewed, to be changed, to be transformed, what would begin to flow out of our mind through our actions, through our hands and feet? The acts of Jesus. Uh, another way to say it would be the acts of the apostles. It, it would just be different. It, let me say this. Transformation is not necessarily a sudden thing. It's a lifelong process. It takes a lifetime to follow Jesus. And I've decided now, I just want to finish strong. I started pretty strong. Oh, I did. I mean, I was blazing out of the gates, man. Just on fire for Jesus. You know, Jesus freak. I told you that. Okay, here we go. But I want to finish stronger than I started. How many of you want to finish the course of faith stronger than you started? See, if, if that's not your goal, there's something wrong. Christ wants us to, to go after him, to abandon ourselves, to run after him, uh, to respond to him. Lord, impact my patterns. Impact my thought process. God, give me new patterns. Some of you listen to scripture on MP3 or different devices and on your phone or whatever. It's just cool that you've decided that that's one way you get the word of God. Some of you have... Uh, index cards over your visors in your house and you, you learn and you meditate and you memorize scripture. Man, that's a great way. Some of you just have longer quiet times. Maybe you just have a quiet time. You, you take a look in the mirror and you see that Christ is changing you. But then if we're honest, sometimes we look in the mirror and we're like, I don't like what I see. Has anybody but me ever looked in the mirror and not like what you saw? I'm, I'm talking spiritually, not physically, okay? 
Hello? Is anybody ever look in the mirror of God's Word and not like what you see? I do. This reveals my sin. But for that I have mercy. For that I have grace. For that I have a Redeemer. I know my Redeemer lives. How about you? And He wants to change me. So this morning, church... I'm just praying, God, do something different. I mean, how's your mind been renewed? We, we make the wise choice. We have wise thoughts. We, we run after Christ. Romans 12, 2. But four requirements for a renewed mind. This is, you're like, how am I supposed to put it on there? Just put A, B, C, D. Okay, I'll give it to you quickly. Four requirements for a renewed mind. I love this. I've been studying this. I've been reading the Word. And then I, I read this, I found this thing in the late week by Charles Stanley. I said, man, I like that. This is Andy's dad. And listen to this, four requirements of a renewed mind. Listen to this. A, fill your mind with Scripture. Just fill up your mind. Begin to read Christian books. Primarily begin to read the Word. Focus on the Lord. Focus on God's character. Focus on God's commands. God, secondly, resist temptation and flee. You know what happens for some of us? Temptation. And we run to it. And what happens when you run to temptation? You crash. You burn. No. You get shameful. You feel guilty. No. You get condemned. That's the next series, Romans 8. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's the news of the gospel. And then the, the third point here, or point C, would be uh, check the source of your thoughts. Where, where are these thoughts coming from? Have any of you ever had an impure thought come into your mind when you were in a, in a service here or somewhere or in a Christian activity and, and a thought came bombarding? Anybody but me? Do you all ever struggle with thoughts that, like, where did that come from? It just happened a minute ago. I was thinking about you. and it, it, No, 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 no. It wasn't about you. We all have those thoughts like, man, where did that thought come from? And what do you do with it? Do you take it captive, make it, it, it obedient to Jesus? Or do you go, hmm, interesting thought, devious character I am. When you entertain the thought, you're on your way to sin. But when those thoughts come, you can rebuke those. You can bind those. You can resist those. You can flee those thoughts. And the church said, I want to do that. And some of you are like, no, I don't want to. Well, that's a problem. And the fourth one, you just rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I can't do what I've been talking about all day. I can't transform myself. I can't transform you. You can't transform you. But Jesus can. I want to be transformed. How about you? That's, that's what I've come to say today. I, man, I've got so much material. Maybe another day I'll have some more thoughts about transformation. They're going to come, and as the team comes, I just want to tell you some people. I'll give this to you. Who did God transform? Abram. He became Abraham. He believed God, and he became the father of many nations. Joseph. He was despised and hated by his brothers, and he became the ruler of Egypt. Pretty cool transformation. Moses was a murderer, but he became a deliverer. Gideon was the fearful man, but the Bible said he became the mighty man of God, a mighty man of valor. Samuel, he was a child, and he grew up, and he became a judge. David was a shepherd boy, and he grew up to be the king of Israel. Zacchaeus was a dishonest, shrewd, crooked tax collector, and he became a generous benefactor. That's transformation. 
Peter, he was a cussing fisher man. And he became a fisher of men. So here's my thought today. What you worship will transform you. God, we want to worship you, the risen Christ. Transform us today. Let's pray. Lord, I am grateful for the Spirit of Christ and for the Holy Spirit and for calling us from our sin to follow you. I pray today, Jesus, ones that have never decided this would choose to follow Jesus, to put their faith in you. Ones that have been discarded and pulled away by the allurements, the temptations of this world, that they would flee the temptations and they would follow Christ afresh today. God, we need transformation in your house. We need transformation in our heart. God, make us like Zacchaeus. To where you would look at us and go, surely salvation has come to you, son. Surely salvation has come to you, daughter. You're changed. Change us, oh God. We've come here to hear from you. And I pray that you've spoken to our heart. So this morning, Lord, I pray we'll just turn our chair around toward Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you. I want a fellowship with you. Come into me and save me. Make me yours. I'll follow you.